0: On this episode of the Break in the Game show, Austin and I are joined by Jade Johnson. She is the co-host of the Hardcourt Honeys podcast, and she does a lot of things for the Belly Up Sports Network, particularly on the NBA side. And we're excited to be joined by her today. So just sit back, tune in. We'll be right back after this break. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Breaking the Game show here on the Nothing But Net channel on Dash Radio. I'm your co-host, Stephen Gillespie, and joining me, as he always does, is a good buddy of mine, Mr. Austin Carr. Austin,
1: how you doing today, brother? I'm doing good, Stephen. How about you? It's been a, a crazy day, crazy couple of days in the NBA, and we've got a lot, a lot to talk about, so I'm excited for tonight.
0: We certainly do, and leave it to James Harden himself to ruin the plans that we had for the show today. Before we get into that, I want to introduce a very special guest. We've, you know, we've been talking with her for quite some time now and our schedule is lined up to where she could make her debut here on the break in the game show. And that is Miss Jade Johnson of Hardcore Honeys. Miss Jade, how are you doing?
2: I'm doing good. Thank you for having me.
0: Yeah, we are obviously honored and thrilled to death to have you on here. You know, we've kind of developed a little bit of a friendship over the past couple weeks. I'd say, you know, you congratulated me on on the birth of our child, and you know that really touched my heart. That you know, someone that I like barely knew like thought to reach out to me and see how things were going. So I really appreciated that, Jade.
2: Oh, my pleasure.
0: Yeah, and obviously you and Austin now we're best friends, and you know we're we're all gonna we're all gonna just keep doing shows together. You know, down the line, you know Why we've not? got. Yeah, so we've got a cool show lined up, but before we get into that, Jade, I just want to give you an opportunity just to kind of promote yourself and the things that you're involved in and where the audience could, you know, find you and your work.
2: Yeah, so I am an executive at Belly Up Sports. Uh, So we've got our writing side. I do a little bit of that. I have my own podcast that you mentioned, Hardcourt Honeys. Um, You can find that on Instagram at Hardcourt Honeys. Facebook has a Hardcourt Honeys page. And then on Twitter, we're at HCHoneys. Um, I'm also on the Raptor Queens podcast at at Raptor Queens on Twitter. And also I do writing uh, both for fantasy basketball and general basketball over at Belly Up Sports as well.
0: Nice. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah, absolutely. Very cool. And we've had, you know, a chance to, like I said, just speak with you. And we're super excited to get into this. And we mentioned about how James Harden just ruined the show that we had scheduled today. We were going to, you know, enthrall the audience with all the information that they ever wanted to hear about the NBA's new COVID protocols. We're going to skip right over that because who wants to talk about COVID after what just happened the other day? But speaking of COVID, Austin, we had a member of the NBA come out publicly and pretty much professes displeasure with what the NBA is trying to do over the next couple of weeks and that is George Hill.
1: Yeah, you know, uh this kind of hit home for me too when I saw his comments. He's he's from Indianapolis, you know, he went to IUPUI, he was a huge fan favorite when he was with the Pacers. So, you know, seeing what he said, I mean, obviously it shows kind of the human side of everything that's going on. You know, a lot of times fans and and sometimes us too, we get in this habit of of viewing these guys like they're you know just there for our entertainment and and forget the fact that they're real people and you know they have lives and families so I I do kind of understand where he's coming from you know he was basically along the lines of saying that they can't force you to stay in a room and if you want to go see your family you're going to go see your family and and I get that I mean my my employer has health and safety protocols that are, are stricter than they used to be but I'm still allowed to you know go out and do things in my regular day. So, you know, I get where they're coming from. It's, it's a kind of between a rock and a hard place kind of situation. Cause you want them to be safe to be able to have the games go on, but at the same time they are humans. So, so I definitely get what he's saying.
0: Yeah. And, and Jade, here's what he said in response to the newly agreed upon restrictions, which just so happened to be agreed upon between the players agency and the NBA. So it's not like the players didn't have any sort of voice in this at all. He says, I'm a grown man, so I'm going to do what I want to do. He said, if I want to go see my family, I'm going to go see my family. They can't tell me I have to stay in the room 24-7. If it's that serious, then maybe we shouldn't be playing. It's life. No one's going to be able to just cancel their whole life for this game. And he said, we want to play the game. So that's the statement that everybody has been hearing. But he also followed it with this. He said, we want to play the game. That's what we love to do. But at the same time, if we're casting all these rules, this and that, maybe we just need to reevaluate what we're doing. So after hearing that second part, Jade, that isn't really getting circulated around as much because it's not as grabby, right, as that is the first statement. Mm -hmm. What do you what do you make of all of this?
2: So uh, I'm generally one of those people that can see things from both sides. I, I tend to be someone that I don't have a ton of sympathy For people that make as much money to play a game as basketball players do, generally their lives are, are easier than mine, (laughs) you you know, Right. Mm. so it's a little bit hard for me to, to get into that headspace. My other thing is if he doesn't want to play with all the rules, he had the option to opt out. He can do that. That's Mm -hmm. an option that's available to him. If this is a thing where, yeah, I want to go see my family. Like I get wanting to see your family, of course. Uh, And I think I think to me, if he's going to be say he's a grown man, the grown man thing to do is to make a decision instead of complaining. Mm -hmm. Decide not to play if that's really what you want, because the league's not going to change their mind for you, George Hill. Sorry, that's not (laughs) happening.
0: Yeah. And I think it's also important to remember, too, that it it may not just solely be on COVID that he's speaking about because George Hill is also one of the many active, you know, NBA players that's involved in this community. And if we remember, it seems like it's already been like several months ago, but, you know, just about a week back, if that, you know, we had the the riot that happened, you know, on the, on the Capitol and, and George Hill spoke on a similar issue that happened during the bubble, you know, with the, you know, social injustice, you know, you know, things that were happening and, and, in Milwaukee and things like, or around Milwaukee, things like that back in the bubble. He said, coming here just took all the focal points off of what the issues are, but we're here. It is what it is. We can't do anything from here or from right here, but definitely when it's all settled, some things need to be done. So also remembering that there, Jade, when, when we consider the, the capital and the effects that it had on many people and not just NBA players, but you know, even, you know, all of us here in this meeting, right. Um, mm-hmm. remembering how mm-hmm. active George Hill is in, you know, social justice activities and things of that nature. Um, do you think that that really played a, a big part in this, or do you think it was specifically the, the, the COVID aspect?
2: Um, I would say that if it was bigger than that, it the onus is on him to make sure he communicates that well. It's one of the frustrations I have with Kyrie as well. It's like, okay, you're upset about something, mm-hmm. I guess. What are you like? What are you specifically upset about? So, like, uh, if that's part of it, I just wish he would say that mm-hmm. uh, so that it's clear. Uh, because he is such an activist, I, I'm sure that it's a lot of things. Yeah. You know, because the family thing, he's been a basketball player for how many years he spends like 13 most of the years, year. I think, yeah. Right. He spends most of the year away from his family anyway. So I think there probably is a lot to the idea that it's a little bit more than just the COVID thing. If there's been a lot that's been piling on. Like we've turned the, the calendar from 2020, but there's residuals still yeah. hanging around. Yeah.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, and you know the whole thing about not getting to see your family and and this and that it, it is, you know, I it's I understand where he's coming from, but at, at some point even if they did go back to like a bubble situation, they after a certain period they were allowed to have family members come there with them too. And it, and like you said communication to me is the biggest thing like people can tend to to work around a lot of stuff especially when it's stuff as big as what's been going on recently as long as you know you're upfront and open with everything and you you know you get it out there and talk about it but if you just decide you know like Kyrie did to just not show up and text you know right before the game text your teammates and let them know to me that's completely unprofessional and Like you said, too, you know, they they don't may not get to see their families for a while. But think about like just even your Toronto Raptors. They they don't get to have a a real home game once this entire year. They don't even really get to go back into Canada a whole lot. Probably they won't really have time. So, you know, they they are already at a disadvantage there and and so it doesn't hold a whole lot of water with me if they're worried about you know too much time away from their families one a lot of these guys are making so much money it's unreal and two they had the choice that they could have made to, to opt out you know in the beginning so they they knew what was coming they knew what to expect and i i think if if anybody's unhappy with what's going on it's kind of on them
0: and, that, and that's all fair. And and Jade, I just want to point this out. You you pointed to the fact that George Hill is like a 13-year vet. Well, how about his teammate, Shea Gilgus Alexander, who in the same sitting basically said, it's challenging, obviously, not being used to all the protocols and all the rules, but for me personally, it's what's necessary. I'm willing to do whatever it takes to get rid of this COVID thing. If it means wearing my mask on the bench the whole time, then it is what it is, and I got to do it. So I think that obviously – Shea is the team's future and for him to step up and say something like this, and this is only what his third season in the NBA right now, to me, I think it shows just kind of that maybe not so much a divide. I don't want to say that they're not, you you know, acting in unity or in solidarity in Oklahoma City, but obviously it's pointing to the fact that not everybody feels the same way about this thing. Mm
2: I mean for for shade i think there's probably some canadian politeness at play as well <laughs> as there usually is with us
0: <laughs> sure i'm super he didn't say sorry at all in there right he, <laughs> hysteria, but he didn't apologize for giving his opinion in this comment so there you go right all right, well, we're going to transition now, but before we do, just want to remind everybody that you're listening to the Breaking the Game show here on the Nothing But Net channel on Dash Radio. We have very special guest, Miss Jay Johnson of Hardcore Honeys here on the show with us today. And we're going to transition now into James Harden. And this is just the guy that ruined all of our plans that we had coming into tonight. Before we get into the big news that I'm sure everybody's just dying to hear about, I just want to kind of reset the events that led into what had happened, right? Um, James Harden and the Houston Rockets lost to the Los Angeles Lakers in a pretty disappointing fashion. It's not the fact that they got the doors absolutely blown off of them. It's just that towards the end of the game, you can obviously see the lack of desire, the lack of intensity in in James Harden and what he did. And, Jade, I'm just dying to hear your opinion on this. At the end of the game, I'm just going to give a couple of the quotations. I'm not trying to put anything out of context. This basically grasps the gist of the whole conversation. It says, we are just not good enough. I love this city. I've literally done everything that I can. I mean, this situation is crazy. It's something that I don't think that can be fixed. And then he excused himself from the rest of the press conference. Jade, I just want to throw a couple words at you. I'm just gonna pick a couple and throw them at you. It's a little bit of a word salad here. He used the words "weird." He used the words "love." He uses the word "literally." He said, "Everything I can." The situation's crazy. It can't be fixed. What do you make of that?
2: So the thing that jumped out at me was him saying, I've done everything I can. Literally. Literally. And my brain goes, you've done everything you can, except for learn how to be a team player. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of a big thing. That's not on that list of everything I could have done. Like, and it always made me crazy. Like he spent so much time working on that ridiculous double step back three pointer. Like you could have put that to so much better use to make the rest of your team better.
0: Mm -hmm. And instead
2: of developing a skill that is only useful to you on a team sport. So that jumped out at me. I'm sure he loves Houston, but like, I don't know. If I'm a Houston fan, I'm not happy with the way that he left. Like, to say that you love the city, but you're going to be that small on your way out just is not congruent to me as a way of him expressing himself. To me, it's that he's saying the thing that he expects them, somebody expects him to say. I love Houston is what the expected Parting words are. I don't know if I believe that he actually feels that way.
0: He may love certain establishments within the city of Houston, <laughs> right? Like, right. I mean, there are certain, I'm sure, certain social, you know, genre or venues that he likes to go to. And I, I'm, I think that he has a, a business or two in the area, too. So maybe he does actually have affection for the city, but certainly for the organization, there's no love lost. And Jade. Mm-hmm. But during the season, coming into the season, it was obviously well known that there was several players, not even just James Harden, but several players were outspoken about Houston. And Austin and I just found it very weird that with the decision makers being gone, you know, with Mike D'Antoni, who basically enabled James Harden to play the way that he's playing, right, said that this is the way that we want to play. Uh, you know, with, um, you know, Daryl Morey leaving, who built this team, who's like, Okay, James Harden, you want to do this? I'm going to go and get these players. And there's always a, there's always a star level player during his time there, you know, rotating out guys like Dwight Howard, guys like Chris Paul, guys like Russell Westbrook, and then bringing in John Wall, who's actually been playing very well coming off of his significant injury. And mm-hmm. you know, Austin, and I always kind of found it weird that with the decision makers gone, he then all of a sudden decided to voice his frustration with the team. I don't know if you kind of felt that same way.
2: Oh, I'm not surprised at all because those decision makers' entire job was making James Harden happy, and now they're gone. Mm -hmm. Who's going to keep him? Who's going to bend all the rules for James Harden to keep him happy? Who's going to build the offense only around James Harden with Dan Toney gone? Who's going to? And and a lot of the uh, information has come out about he's had preferential treatment for a lot of years in Houston, too. That's Daryl Morey's. Mm-hmm. doing right so like i wasn't surprised at all I, I was like they traded all of his friends of course he's not happy to be there
1: yeah that's those are really good points um i i feel like the first sign of what you're saying coming to fruition for him was when he you know voiced his opinion on who the coach should the next coach should be and they definitely they didn't go with it i yeah. think he kind of saw right then okay you know daryl's not here to have my back and give me whatever i want anymore you know i'm gonna Pout and throw a fit and get my way out of here, and you know it. Some people always s- kind of seem seem like it's they feel like it's unprofessional anytime a, a player tries to force his way out of a team. But Anthony Davis just did it, it last year or the year before in a way that was a lot less unprofessional than what James Harden has done. And, Andre
2: Iguodala did it too.
1: Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, he didn't even set foot in Memphis. Right, and, but but at the same time, he wasn't going out there and throwing teammates under the bus and and showing up late and causing all the kinds of problems that he's causing. And you know, I got to give kudos to John Wall for calling him out the way he did too. You know, not a lot of guys are willing to do that, especially and DeMarcus cousins. Yeah. yeah, I was gonna say if anybody's gonna do it, it's probably Demarcus Cousins. You know, he doesn't. Seem no like one's he, stepping up to Boogie like right. That. He's not too worried about maybe what PJ the responses he gets from anybody, right? But I I, I kind of feel like everybody was just kind of tired of the way things were going. Houston, I think Stephen and I have talked about this a lot. How we realized, you know, they kind of had reached that glass ceiling with mm-hmm. with James Harden the way the way this team was constructed. Like, if the last couple years, if they weren't going to make it to the finals, like they to me, their window had closed. You know, all they're like they were started the season. I think is the oldest roster in the NBA or one of. And so, close, I, if not the one, I, yeah, I, I saw the writing on the wall that this was this was going to be a, a rough year for them and. And I think a lot of people did, but just the overall way he's acted and what he said in the media, it just it's left a bad taste in a lot of people's mouths and and saying, oh, I love the city. I've done everything I can for this franchise is, is exactly what you ex- everyone expects, you know, the star player to say. So, you know, you can't really take it at face value, especially not with him, you know. And you hear about it all the time. Star players get star treatment. They get treated a little bit differently. They get things the way they like. But even in the main article that came out about it, when they were talking about Russell Westbrook and how quick he became unhappy with the situation there, they even said, you know, Russell Westbrook had the exact same treatment in Oklahoma city, but the difference was Russell Westbrook was the first one in the gym most of the time. And probably the last one there at night. And he was the most dedicated one and expected that from everybody else. It, it, it gets bad when you give that special treatment to a guy who seems like he kind of blows off the the, the extra work and blows off the, the the little things that he may not find you know as necessary. It is still crazy to me how James Harden can come into a season looking as out of shape as he does and no real time to prepare and still have, you know, drop 40 point games <laughs> left and right. 15 but, assists and things like right. that. Yeah. But at, the, but at some point that just all that extra stuff just gets old to people. And, and I, I think it was, you know, his time there was, had been up, has been up for a while.
0: Mm. Yeah, and that's all fair. And, Jade, we, we just alluded to this, and I want to get into some of the exact comments that John Wall made. He said, you know, certain guys don't want to buy in. Gee, I wonder who he's referring to there, right? And, uh, you know, he related to what's going on in Houston to his early time with the with the Wizards, right, with certain players like Nick Young and JaVale McGee and, and players like that, right? He said that, um, you know, certain Wizard teammates were, were kind of like this me, me, me. And that's why they weren't able to succeed because they weren't buying in. And then, you know, basically the biggest headline out of his comments that I want to speak on is that he said it's only been nine games. Come on, man. You want to jump off the cliff after nine games? And there's a certain sentiment, and I think I buy into it as well, that if James Harden, like, realized that, like, John Wall wants to win, like he's out to prove himself. He's looking to reestablish himself as one of the best guards in the NBA coming off of injury. Boogie Cousins is dying to make this, you know, what's this now, his third chance really after injury to, to, to reestablish himself. You know, there are good players on this team like P.J. Tucker, like Eric Gordon. You know, Christian Wood is really establishing himself as one of the more exciting big men in, in the NBA right now. So they got pieces. Steven Silas seems like a really likable head coach, too. Like, I don't know why he's not looking to try to make his life a little bit easier. But what do you think about how John Wall is kind of coming in and assuming leadership? in in the situation.
2: I mean, Houston's needed a leader. I'm a big proponent of the idea that your best scorer, your best player is not always going to be your leader. Mm -hmm. And that becomes a difficult thing on teams because a lot of the time when you get a guy like a James Harden, who is a prolific scorer, he expects to be the leadership leader as well as the, the leader on the floor. And he's Clearly not that guy. He's been clearly not that guy to me forever. Mm -hmm. So it's always a tricky situation when you're willing to give that kind of leadership moniker to a guy who personality wise, character wise, isn't a leader. Great. The points are great. You need the points. Obviously that's it's basketball. That's the point of the game. Correct. But to your point about John Wall, he's going to be the kind of leader that, like Russell Westbrook, he's going to be in the gym. He's going to be holding guys accountable. And you can only do that if you hold yourself accountable first. If you hold yourself accountable more than anybody else is going to hold you accountable. And Harden has never had that. All he's ever had is guys, will like since he's been in Houston, is guys willing to be like, oh, you score lots of points. Do whatever you want oh, you score lots of points. You're the leader, but he's not a leader. Yeah. So I, I think like I tweeted after this, like Houston won this trade and it's not close. Like to be able to get rid of him, to get all the picks they got and to still have the talent that they have is unreal.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And the mm-hmm. only pushback I would give to what you just said is Chris Paul was was probably the only guy other than a John Wall who did You know, say like, hey, we can't be doing things like this because Mm -hmm. Chris Paul turns out is actually one of the still one of the better players in the NBA right now. Mm -hmm. And we saw what that did to their relationship because, he, you know, you know, Harden was like, oh, wow, like someone's coming into my team and, you know, telling me things I don't want to hear. We need to get this guy out of town. And yeah, yeah, that Mm -hmm. didn't really work out so well. And Jade you just alluded to the to the big news that you know if if you're paying attention to TV or radio or podcasts or you know even just your Twitter timeline or whatever social media you're a part of this being the four team trade and Jade I just want to get your initial thoughts on how you were reading some of these tweets. I'm pretty sure you follow like guys like Shams and Woj and stuff like yeah. that on social media. So your, your phone and your computer were probably, oh, probably blown a
2: crazy day. Well, and then on top of that, our basketball group chat at belly up where all of our basketball writers are. So like, and my group chat with the Raptor Queens, cause we covered the NBA in general as well in a segment. So like just from so many places, honestly, my very first reaction was gross. Because I also don't like KD, and I also don't like Kyrie. So to have all three of those guys on the same team is just like –
0: So Brooklyn's now you know, your favorite team is what you're telling me. My
2: favorite you. team, yes. <laughs> uh, But then after I got into the nuts and bolts and really like looked at how the teams – how everybody played out, the Rockets looked great picking up Depot, who also has something to prove. Mm-hmm. You know, because there's been questions, is he going to be good enough with with Indiana? And I think being on a team where he's not going to have to be the leader is probably good for him. I, I think a lot of really talented players who are drafted on not great teams are always at a disadvantage that. You have to be the leader while you're trying to develop your game. Mm-hmm. That's a lot to juggle. Yeah. So I think the chance for him to not have to be that guy all the time when you've got Boogie there, when you've got John Wall there to play around is going to be great for his career. I'm happy that Karis Levert and Jared Allen got out of Brooklyn because yeah. playing behind all those superstars, their careers were going to stall out. They weren't going to get the minutes to develop. And I really like both of those guys. So I'm glad that they're, I feel bad that Jared Allen ended up in Cleveland, but I think there's only one year left on his contract. So that could be a temporary thing if it doesn't work out, but I'm glad that they are going to get a chance to make away from themselves. Mm -hmm. Um, What's going to happen with the Nets? Like, and I don't know. That's a question. <laughs> I, I was what I was somebody that said often and loudly right from the time Katie and Kyrie teamed up it's not going to work. Mm. And people called me crazy. So I'm having a bit of fun with this right now. <laughs> I'm not break lie. your arm
0: patting yourself on the
2: back. Well, <laughs>
1: you're you're in good territory here. Steven and I have kind of gone back and forth a lot about that too and we've kind of felt it, it's pretty strange. similar.
0: It's just so tough to analyze that. But real quick, guys, I just want to kind of reset for everyone who may not know the exact details of this trade. I'm just going to outline the teams that were involved and who received who, and we'll, and we'll carry on with our discussion here. So the Brooklyn Nets received James Harden. The Houston Rockets received Victor Oladipo, Dante Axum, Radinos Karuch, Brooklyn's unprotected 2022, 24, and 26 first-round picks. They have pick swap rights with Brooklyn in 2021, 23, 25, and 27. And they also received Milwaukee's first round for 2022 via the Cleveland Cavaliers. So they have their, you know, Oklahoma City is going to pull a Jordan meme and take this personally <laughs> and probably try to acquire more picks, right? The Indiana Pacers, as Jade so eloquently stated earlier that Karis Levert is now a part of this team and they also received a second round pick for their troubles and then the Cleveland Cavaliers did get Jared Allen but they also got Torian Prince from the Brooklyn Nets so Austin I talked Mm -hmm. about leading into this eventual trade Woes put things out like you know that the Rockets were planning to keep Harden away until a trade is done with front office weighing on the final best offers from Brooklyn and Philadelphia and that's uh, you know Sources telling Ramona Shelbourne and Adrian Wojnarowski, and the process is moving very quickly. And then later, he said, Houston's talks with the Sixers and Nets have gathered momentum in recent days, even before James Harden's news conference on Tuesday night. Sources tell Ramona Shelbourne and Woj. And then bottom fell out a million tweets later and a million, you know, debates later that, you know, that four team deal is what we ended up seeing after the smoke cleared. What was your kind of thought process seeing this all break down?
1: Well, I, I thought it was, you know, about time to be honest. I'd been waiting for a while for this news to break. I didn't necessarily think it would be a four team deal like this and be quite as as big and widespread as it was. But, you know, that's just kind of icing on the cake for someone like me. I love, you know, trades and transactions and Absolutely. everything that comes with it. And, you know, honestly, I think Houston obviously saw that we can't have this guy out here making these comments and making a mockery of our team much more. And they just, they got fed up really quick because I, I kind of agreed with your, your, your point on it all along, Steven, that they should hold out for the best possible deal that they could get. And mm-hmm. they did get a really good deal, but they had no, you know, real like timetable that they had to get this done for any reason. I mean, he's under contract. If he, if he doesn't want to play, they don't have to pay him. And, but at, at, when it gets to the point where it looks like the locker room's about the, you know, could possibly be a fight in the locker room. Exactly. You know, they need to do, to do something quick and just all the teams involved seem like they, they got something pretty good out of it. You know, obviously Brooklyn gets, you know, another superstar to add to their, you know, I guess, super team, if you want to call it that Houston gets, you know, every pick that Brooklyn's going to have until, you know, my kids graduate high school. And yeah, and I mean. it's just, so and the Pacers, you know, the Pacers were in an in- interesting situation with Oladipo because, for one, he's kind of like the hometown guy because he went to IU. So right. there's a ton of pressure from the fan base to that half of them love him. Half of them think he, you know, gave up was trying to give up on the team when he at first didn't want to go to the bubble and all that. So he was he was under a ton of criticism all the time. But he's also stated you know, publicly that he thinks he deserves a max contract. And I don't think the Pacers were going to give him that. And I don't think that the Pacers felt like he deserved it. So they, you know, they flip him for a guy that's two, two years younger, that's still got three years left on his contract and is arguably, you know, the, the stats are, are pretty, You know, strikingly similar how close in production these guys are. They're very close, yeah. Oladipo's kind of started to become redundant a little bit on that roster now with some of the moves that they've made in the last couple of seasons. And, you know, they've still got Sabonis. Warren's been hurt, but when he plays with Brogdon and Jeremy Lamb, if he's healthy, they're all healthy. They've got a, a glut at that position. And for somebody that has not really shown the level of play that he was at before that injury that he had, you know, it was going to be really hard to justify paying him the kind of money he wanted to stay around anyway. And then Cleveland, you know, I mean, I think they, I thought they were pretty happy with their center situation, but you know, Jared Allen's definitely an upgrade from McGee. Mm -hmm. and So, you know, everybody seems like they got something good out of this trade, at least so far.
0: Yeah. And just a couple points I wanted to, uh, to bring up in this deal. And then I'll turn around and give it back to you, Jay, to get your kind of thoughts on what Austin and I have been saying. I think, that looking at Karis LeVert it's important to remember that in Indiana that depth is very important they wanted to re- obviously wanted to remain about two deep at every position in the traditional sense right um, with mm-hmm. with Victor Oladipo it looks like somebody's going to pay him because he is averaging 20 points per game and he's not even the team's first option so he's doing decent this year with you know the ball actually being spread around quite often you know DeMontis Sabonis and Malcolm Brogdon have clearly established themselves as that one two punch on that team. And if you want a max contract, typically that's gonna go to a guy that's your first or your second option on a team, right? So Karis LaVert, Jade, as you mentioned earlier, is used to playing behind stars, right? He'll probably get more minutes here in Indiana than he would otherwise in Brooklyn with, with team fully assembled, right? But he's used to not being the main guy. But as long as he's on the court, I'm sure he's going to be happy, right? Like it's easier to convince him to be your third or fourth option, depending on what they do with TJ Warren, than it would be for a guy who wants to go out and earn a max contract, right? So I think that that's huge. Austin, you mentioned that he's on the books for the next few seasons, doesn't even touch $20 million a year, which a max contract is far and going to exceed that. So I think Pacers, uh, I actually wrote a story that um, debuted on OffTheBallNetwork.com today, and the the Pacers got the highest grade on mine just because that the only controversy that they had coming into the season was Victor Oladipo. They just took care of that, and they got a pick out of it as well. But for the Cleveland Cavaliers, I think getting Jared Allen is actually a really good deal because, yeah, they do have kind of a logjam at that center position, but with Andre Drummond having an expiring contract, right? they did trade for him last season they don't have to worry about that now because there's going to be teams that are either looking to you know shed salary cap or there's going to be a team that's looking to contend that can use his restricted rights to help improve their team in ways that otherwise they're not going to be able to bring people on so he's probably going to be a guy that you're going to see bc move now that cleveland has a young center of the future to pair with guys like a coral garland and obviously sexton right mm-hmm. and i think houston I always say, Jade, and I'll, I'll, I'll get your opinion on this too, it's hard to grade a team that receives a boatload of draft picks when we don't even know who they're going to turn into yet, and or even if they don't hold on to them all, and then trade for like Houston could just do the same thing that they got done to them, right? Like another team could have a disgruntled star and be like, well, hey, we got all these draft picks. We'll take them on because we miss having a star here in Houston.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's a really good point because – Houston is not one of the teams that's known uh, for having really great development. They, they prefer to trade for players. Mm -hmm. So when you have a lot of picks and you don't have that development system, it leaves you in a place where you either have to get a draft class where there is a clear number one or clear, clear, good picks. I would say in the top five, if you have high draft picks, if you're in a position where like say this year's draft, it wasn't a very deep draft class. There was no clear one through five. Anybody could have gone in those positions. Um, I was just talking about this before we got on here is that some teams are probably regretting not taking LaMelo when they could have gotten because he's, he looks really good. So it's it's really hard to say. And and for the Rockets, I think it is more likely that they end up being trades, or the Rockets are going to be one of those teams that had all those draft picks and couldn't land the right pick at the right time for where they were. Um, mm-hmm. I think of teams like the Warriors, the Raptors, the Spurs, like their development systems are the best in the league. Miami, now. yeah. Miami, D- Dallas. I don't know what Houston's going to do with them. I I don't feel like, I feel like it's what they had to get to move Harden. Um, You know, at initially when Harden wanted to trade, it was, well, Houston's not going to trade for less than an equal superstar. Well, that was not a
0: blue chip player, right? Like that's the phraseology that we were Mm -hmm. hearing.
2: And that was just not a feasible situation. And Harden did nothing to help that with his antics. So, to come away with the picks they came away with is, I think, the best that they could do. But it's true until, you know, 20... I I say it'll be 2024 before we really know, because they will have had to use a few of the picks or trade a few of the picks by then. Mm
0: -hmm.
2: And by then, they won't have enough left to make up for it if they do a really bad job. So... It's, it's going to be a little while before we really know how well the Rockets did. In the immediate time, I think they did a really good job to drop Harden and get what they got back because that could have gone really bad for them just to try and move him out of the team.
0: Yeah. And Stuart just wrote in Austin. Uh, he's an off the ball network colleague of ours, yeah. Jade. He said, how about the fact that my boy Gordon Hayward is balling lately? We are going to cover that in the next segment that mm-hmm. we have where we discuss our surprising players, which I'm looking forward to. Yeah, but James are. Harden ruined our plans. So <laughs> we're going to talk about this for a little bit more. Jade, I want to get your opinion just real quick. Obviously, uh, you know, Casual fans, you know, the big media—they're going to dissect Brooklyn Nets, and and we'll save that for them. I just—I want to get your opinion on two backcourts that I'm genuinely intrigued by, and I want to just see your opinion on wh- which one you think is going to be better. Right? I think that they're both going to be good. You'll—you probably feel the same way, but between Indiana and Houston, Houston is going to have John Wall and Victor Oladipo, who I think are going to make for a great dynamic two-way tandem. They—they both average over. A steal and a half a game. I think John Wall right now is averaging a block a game. So I mean, he's just he's a dynamic defender. Obviously, he can score and pass. Oladipo can do the same thing. But on the other hand, in Indiana, you have Malcolm Brogdon and Karis Levert. Both of those guys can drop buckets. Both of those guys can pass and rebound. They they give good size. And not just not considering the rest of the depth on the team, I'm just curious to see which backcourt you think is going to be the better one of the two.
2: Yeah, I also think they're both going to be really good, but Mm. I have to give it to the Rockets, Um, partially because I think Wall is that guy. Mm -hmm. He brings that thing, that leadership thing, that poise, that accountability, that um, it just affects the rest of the team. And Oladipo, I would argue, we maybe haven't seen his ceiling yet between all of the injuries that he's had um, I think without being able to go like a couple of years and not have to sit out long term with injury, I don't know that I believe that he doesn't have uh, maybe not another whole gear, but another half the gear that we could see. So I think the Rockets are going to be, are, are going to be the better back. Right? It's not going to be by much,
0: Yeah, but a little bit. I don't think that there's a wrong answer. I just wanted to see which way you were leaning more towards Austin. I'll I'll, I'll pose the same question to you. Who, which backcourt do you think is better?
1: Oh, I, I definitely agree. I think it's Houston. I think if, you know, Oladipo is going to have a lot less pressure there, like we talked about, than he did in Indiana, he's mm-hmm. he's not going to be expected to be the number one option or, or really seen as that with John Wall there. And, you know, they're two dynamic, athletic, Extremely fast, good defensive players, both of them. And, and I think they both have the right, you know, mindset going into this. They both want to win. They both want to, you know, they're not worried about where they're playing or who they're playing with as much as it was with Harden. And it it never really made sense to me why James Harden wouldn't be excited to try with you know things with John Wall and Demarcus Cousins. Because if those two guys came back the way they have so far and and are the players that they used to be that's could you could argue that this was one of the better rosters Houston's had around him his whole time there so it it i think Houston came out great with who they got if if they can re-sign Oladipo, or you know for a a, a decent number or maybe if they do give him a max who knows but you've got to love all the picks that they got the 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 duo of that they have in that backcourt. Now they're at, le- at the very least, you know, they're going to show up every night and play their butts off. So I think that's, that's something that they definitely wanted.
0: Yeah. And the other guys that they acquired in this deal, Dante Exum has an expiring $9 million. I think it's fair to say with, you know, the, the impact that COVID had on Tillman Fertitta's other business ventures that he had outside of basketball that he might let that 9 million just slide right off the books. And probably the same thing with Cruz. Like he'll be a restricted free agency. Maybe we see, you know him. Him match a contract and trade for another expiring contract, or maybe even more picks. We'll we'll see what happens with that. But you know that's basically the gist of the four team deal that we're allowed to talk about here on the Nothing Manette channel on Dash Radio for about fifty three minutes. Um, well, I'm sure all three of us are probably going to put out more content and have more discussions on this. But I felt like we covered our bases here. And now we'll transition to the last segment that we have planned for this evening, and that are our surprising players for the NBA season. Jade, your honored guest, I would love to hear who are some of your more surprising players for the NBA.
2: So I was really ex- excited that uh, Stuart mentioned Gordon Hayward because right. I have a little bit of a story. I'm playing fantasy basketball for my first time this season, and I drafted Hayward in one of my three leagues. There you and- go. It's fun that it's against the guy, mostly the guys I work with and Shannon, who's been on your show. So Shannon and I, and then Great. a bunch we of other. We
0: love to Shannon, yeah. Yeah, we
2: so we're the two ladies amongst the guys in our, our fantasy league, and I drafted Gordon Hayward on the advice of one of our writers, Parker Ainsworth, who wrote an article about bad teams with good players that are going to be good for fantasy. Mm-hmm. So I picked yeah. up Hayward because he's, the best guy on the team all of a sudden in Charlotte. Like, who saw that coming? But that's the reality. (laughs) And the league I'm playing in, I have to pick the games my starters play in every week. I don't get them all week. I get them in a matchup. So I had Gordon Hayward active on his 44-point night. And I was like, I cannot believe this just happened, but I will take it. Uh, So, yeah, I'm not terrible. I'm not... I guess I'm not that surprised that he's doing well. Um, I think other people will be, but like my colleague made a good argument that he's going to be the number one option and he's been, he's a good player for, for whatever reason. It's just Boston wasn't a good fit. And sometimes that's all it is for a player. It's just not. <laughs> it's just not the right system. I mean, I hate looking at him. Every time I look at Gordon Hayward, I feel like there should be Disney characters flying around his head. He looks like a youth pastor. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but
1: he fit in, in very well in Utah. That's for sure. He's yeah.
2: balling. Uh, the other guy, I have to say, and again, this won't be a surprise for me as a Toronto fan, but I think people are going to be surprised with Chris Boucher. Mm-hmm. Um we've seen this coming for a little bit because again the Raptors have great development true, and yeah. He got uh, paid a little bit in in the offseason. It wasn't a huge contract, but it's great for him. It's more than what he had, friendly. right? It's a lot more than what he had. <laughs> and I've moved. I got a lot of flack for for my Raptors adjacent drafts in my league. But partially that's because it's my first year doing fantasy, and that's who I'm familiar with. So like, mm. I went with a, a few of those guys. And And you can do
0: whatever you want. It's your team. So right. You're the owner.
2: Thank you. (laughs) So he, I moved him into my starting lineup this week and he got me like 27 fantasy points because he's just, he's killing it. And I think he, he's been the person I've been saying is going to have a breakout season from Toronto. He, Every year or every other year Toronto has that guy that other other fan bases in general were like, who's that guy in Toronto? And we're like, yeah, we knew this was coming. It's a next so man are, up. Yeah, those are my those are my two big ones that especially for me personally, playing fantasy have been great for me.
1: Fantasy basketball is fun. It's a lot, it's a lot different than football just in the fact that the the best players in the league like in the actual games on the court aren't necessarily the most valuable guys in fantasy very often like it is with football more so the stars in regular basketball are going to be the regular football are going to be the fantasy stars too basketball there's guys there's hidden gems on just about every team so it is a lot of fun for sure Absolutely.
0: Well, Austin, do you just want to unveil your the the players that you had that were surprising for you this year?
1: Yeah, I, I don't want to step on your toes, so I'll just go with my other two since I know we had one in common, Stephen. I uh, had Tim well, Hardaway Jr. And I had one in common. So true. It's so I, it's that's what I'm saying. I'll get I'll give you some airtime <laughs> too, buddy. Don't worry. Uh, my two guys that I have on the list are Zach Levine and Tim Hardaway Jr. Uh, Levine, I think, is in the top five or seven in scoring right now, 27.7 points per game, five rebounds, about five assists. He's shooting 50% from the field. His effective field goal percentage is almost at that 60% threshold that people talk about being you know, elite. Mm-hmm. And a few years ago, I never would have st- – seen the type of shooter that he's become I I didn't think that that's where his career would go I thought he he was an athletic obviously a freak athlete he would be a good scorer I didn't really think he was going to be a a point guard like he's been for the for the most part and you know he's just stepped it up even more so this year you know he had a what 10 threes in a game earlier this year he's shooting so those are just some surprising things for me even though the Bulls still are are struggling a little bit you know, I, my coach of the year hasn't really changed things around much there for them yet. But uh, sure no, I'm, you got me on that it's a long one sure. game. It's a long and then game. Tim Hardaway Jr. is the other one. You know, he's either first or in the top five, I think, in the league in three point percentage. He's about the only guy so far for Dallas other than Luca that's really been able to to consistently generate much offense. He's at 18 points per game. Um, he, he's mostly just a score. He's kind of always been that way um, uh, gives you about four rebounds, a uh, couple assists a game. He's n- not, you know, an out of this world defender, but he's not terrible, but you know, he's, he's kind of turned on the scoring a lot more this year for them. He's, he's taking almost nine threes a game, which I think is a big jump for him from years past. And he was one that I, I just kind of noticed at the top of several leaderboards that when I was looking at stats the other day that I, I kind of caught me by surprise. You know, I've always known he's been a good scorer, but just, Kind of like Levine, I didn't really see that this high level of shooting from him in his career either. So those were the two guys that I had. So
0: okay, fair enough. And Jade, I totally agree with you on Gordon Hayward. He was on my list. Oh, me too. In keeping with what you guys were saying, I'll just I'll just give my two that I had. Uh, Jeremy Grant for the Detroit Pistons. They're not really doing much, so I think that that's why it's so surprising, right? He's up to twenty-five points per game, six boards uh shooting thirty almost thirty eight percent from deep, you know, almost eighty seven percent from the line, giving you close to a block and a still a game. What's struck me as surprising is that he's seventy eighth percentile on usage rate. 90th percentile in turnover percentage and 55th percentile in assist percentage. This up from double from last year in Denver. So obviously his role has greatly increased in Detroit, right? And he's doing all that in about 37 minutes per game. So he's getting a significantly more burn there. And then Malcolm Brogdon, who we touched on a little bit for Indiana. I don't think that I've been a Brogdon fan, but I didn't see this coming where he could be the the first, maybe the 1B on this Indiana team. He's giving you about 22 points per game, almost eight assists, shooting 45% from deep, almost 88% from the line, giving you just a hair under two steals per game. He's 83rd in uh, usage rate, 83rd percentile in turnover percentage, and 98th percentile in assist percentage, meaning that he is just fantastic at finding the open man. And he's doing this all in about 37 minutes per game. So I think that those are all... I'm glad that we had more diversity in, in the players that we picked for
1: our more surprising players. Me too. I, I definitely agreed with both of your guys' picks. You know, Jade, I, I remember Chris Boucher in college. I think if I remember right, he, he was, he had an injury or something that kind of affected his draft status, yeah. because I think at one point he was considered a pretty, you know, a pretty high, pro, you know, level prospect. So I've kind of expected him to, you know, turn out pretty well for them. I liked when they picked him up and he was the G League Player of the Year a couple seasons ago, I think, or maybe last year.
2: And MVP and Defensive Player of the Year the same year. There
1: you see, there you go. No big deal. Right, no big deal. That's her team, man. You're not going to... Little Giannis, right? (laughs) And then two, you know, Malcolm Brogdon is somebody, I think, looking you know milwaukee has to look back at letting him go and and you know kind of be kicking themselves i think he was the the perfect comp you know compliment to what they had there and maybe they they didn't let so right if they you know Uh, they could have that decision back you know maybe they still have all those first round picks they gave up too so i like both your guys picks for sure
0: Appreciate that. Well, that wraps up the last segment that we have for tonight, Jade. We we Austin and I both we were excited to have you on. You know, we've Definitely. been talking about doing this for a while now. And, you know, just like Shannon, you know, I'm not surprised. We've seen your guys' work, listen to your guys' work. You're right. you're great at what y'all do. And we were just, you know, thrilled to death that y'all would take the time out of y'all's busy schedule to come here on our Rinky Dink show. But um, <laughs> we just wanna give you the the time now, just to, again, kind of plug your work, anything that you may have, you know, in in the Tumblr right now that, that um, people could look forward to coming down the line.
2: Yeah, so uh, article I wrote a little while ago, if you are not up on the current NBA hashtags, I did of I used that so much the by show. the way. It's, it was so fun to put together. Uh, and I love some of the new hashtags. Probably mm. the Timberwolves was my favorite new one, Raised by Wolves. Like, that's yeah. just so good. Um, I do uh, I do a weekly uh, NBA Pick'em Six, their official game. So I do a weekly article of my six picks, which I still have to do this week. So look out for that. And then my podcast, Hardcourt Honey's new episodes drop every Monday afternoon at 1 p.m., with my co-host Shay Vassar and our moderator, TJ. So our idea was we wanted to flip the normal format of a sports show where usually the woman's job is just to ask the questions. Yeah, And so we have, we have our moderator, TJ asks the questions and Shay and I, have the takes. And we also do a live show, which we did a little earlier tonight, every Thursday at 7 p.m. Hardcourt Honeys presents hashtag NBA Twitter, where we talk about Twitter's goings on. So we have some favorite uh, accounts and we're always pulling from new accounts. So if you tweet us or uh, add us, DM us your tweets, maybe you'll show up on our show I was
0: wondering why we haven't been on there. Right. Right you know I, mean? but, I don't pick
2: the tweets. I, oh, not, okay, I, okay. <laughs> well. Steve, I don't, a bit more of an exciting fellow than I am, sure, for sure. So. <laughs>
0: Okay, nice, nice save, nice save. Just you'll tell me after this who I need to yell at, and then we'll be all right. <laughs> there. You go. <laughs> but thank you so much, Jade, um, f- yeah. for for coming on. It's been truly an honor and a blessing to have you on. We got to do this again. You know, sure. maybe we'll have you and Shay come on and. You know, do like a two on two or something. I don't know, but there you know, go. yeah,
2: we'd be down for that. For I sure. don't know.
0: We
1: don't want to get we don't want to get embarrassed too bad, Steve. Yeah, <laughs> we, we
0: we do want to keep the show that we have here on the Nothing But Net channel on Dash Radio. Um, mm-hmm. Austin, before we close, do
1: you have anything that you want to? you know, be made known to the universe out there. Well, I just honestly, first off, thank you, Jade, for coming on. Like Stephen said, we're always, you know, super excited. Anytime anybody's willing to give us, you know, a little bit of their time, it's, it still kind of blows me away that people are willing to come on our show and talk to us about this stuff. So thank you for coming on. It's been an honor to have you. As, as it was, Shannon, and we actually, Stephen and I know your co-host Shay a little bit too, so yep. you know, we know you guys are doing great work, so keep it up for sure. And then as far as me, I, I just put out an article about all the stuff going on with Kyrie Irving. You can go check it out at offtheballnetwork.com. Uh, it's, it's a little more, uh, opinionated opinionated than, than what I normally put out there. So I was pretty excited to, to get it out there and see the response of it. So head, head on over there to check that out. You can check out Steven's new work. It's, it's great. He always does great work. Everybody there does. So you can check us out there and everybody that listens, you know, thanks for, thanks for listening.
0: Yeah, and Austin, just thank you for the tremendous compliment. You're way too nice to me, but, you know, just the piece that you were referring to, I wrote about the four-team trade that we were just speaking about pretty in-depth, and it kind of, you know, provided my grade, you know, what, what each team gave, what each team got, and uh, basically how we should evaluate them. Uh, again, Houston, I graded as incomplete because it's hard to tell with all these picks, you know, Exactly how good of a job they did until, mm-hmm. you know, the machinations of that happen, right? So, but all of that's available on OffTheBallNetwork.com. But uh, again, just for everybody who took the time to watch and listen, thank you guys so much for your input, Stuart. Big shout out to you. Appreciate your input. Um, just thank you guys for your support and love for the show. Um, you can follow us every Monday and Friday at six PM Eastern, three PM Pacific. Here on the Nothing But Net channel on Dash Radio, we'll get your drive home safe you know, we'll talk basketball, you know, you it'll fly by, it'll be a fun drive home. Um, you can go to off for all of your sports needs. You know, Austin and my work is there, uh, go to belly up sports and follow Jade and all the amazing people from belly up sports and the work that they do there. But for Jade, for Austin, for myself, our show, all of our platforms, we have been the break in the game show and we will catch up with you guys next time. Much love everybody.
1: Have a good one. We'll <laughs>